where we're at. Psalm 68, we've been going through the Psalms, and uh, uh, I think you guys know, you know, we we all kind of tag team Psalms, and, and uh, uh, it landed on on, uh, on 68 for me this week, and uh, I tell you what, I was pretty intimidated by it, man, because, um, man, it just seemed long, you know, <laughs> as, I, as I started reading it, and uh, just like, man, you know, what, Lord, what do, what do you... Uh, uh, what are you trying to say through this? You know, and I kept reading it over and over again without reading really any commentaries or anything. And I tell you what, thank God for commentaries, man, because they put everything in perspective. I mean, there's reasons why there's men that are gifted in those things, and in uh, in just deciphering the the word, man, and and really just uh, breaking it down in such a way where you're able to to understand it in 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 uh, um, rather than than just trying to digest the whole thing. Um, you know, you're able to digest it in pieces, man, and, and it just seems to all fall together. And uh, and then as I read it after reading a few commentaries and and uh, uh, just checking out what some of these Bible teachers really had to say, um, I tell you what, it's probably one of the most beautiful psalms that that uh, that I've read so far. You know, it's just it totally totally blew me away. Um, but Psalm 68, uh, there were a couple different different. Uh, uh, explanations for the psalm. It is a psalm of David. David wrote it. Um, everybody agrees on that. Um, it says it. So you know, there's no argument about that. But uh, what I did, what I did see was that some thought it was a well, it's a dedicatory psalm, which it was for a dedication. Um, but where the argument arose was was one guy, McDonald. He says that it was for uh, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it was a processional psalm and uh don't know why he says that he just says it you know and uh seemed to make sense um then i read another commentary and it was uh john corson's and he said that it was most probably um for the dedication of jerusalem when when uh david took the uh the city of jerusalem and it became the capital and um so you know those those were the two that i saw if you read Three or four, you'll probably get another couple different uh, explanations on on the background of the psalm. But uh, but regardless, it's a beautiful psalm. Um, I'm going to tend to go towards the uh, the John Corson one, only because I think it's a cooler story. You know, <laughs> I like I like the story of of uh, the city of Jerusalem taking the city of Jerusalem. Um, if you guys know that story, what it was is that after David had become king, he uh, Jerusalem wasn't part of you know the territory that that was under his control that was actually ruled by the jebusites and so um he wanted it he wanted the the city of jerusalem and so he goes up to his guys you know to his army and he says you know hey listen man we we need to invade this city but i mean it's it's a walled city man it looked like in and you know he could not penetrate it and uh, he says you know the first person that can you know first guy that can think of a way to invade this city and to take it he says you know you're going to be my general and so Joab, you know, figures out a way. He says, you know what? He figures out that, you know what? If we go through the sewers, that we would be able to come inside of the city, go under, underneath the wall, rather than trying to break it down or go over, we'll go under it. And, uh, and sure enough, it works, man. You know, he leads, he leads the armies, and they go through the, the sewers, and they overtake the city, you know? And so he becomes the general. And so that's the point at which um, 
they were saying that this psalm takes place, that David writes or, or uh, uh, composes this song in a dedication to Jerusalem, to the Lord. Um, so, it, it's, you know, it, to me it made sense. It was beautiful. Uh, made me think of uh, just coming back from Rosarita. Uh, Rosarita, we're going to be uh, having a dedication and service there, hopefully within the next month or so. Um, you know, Manny shared about it uh, earlier today, and we're almost there. We're almost done and getting real excited because hopefully we're going to be having some girls there real soon, some of the kids, and, and uh, the house is looking really, really good. I mean, it's 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 nicer than my house, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, man, really shaping up, man. I mean, the guys have worked so hard on it, and um, just the Lord, man, has just really, really come through, man, with uh, everything from materials to labor to to the guys, but most of all, and, and uh, the uh, uh, the remarks that I get mostly uh, from all the guys is that, you know, everybody there just has that heart to serve, and uh, and it's a great time. It's a great time. So we're going to be having uh, a dedication service there, so keep your ears open for the information on that, and uh, I'm going to be writing a, a, a dedication psalm for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to be having one of those too, so... Just, you know, keep your ears open because that's going to be, uh, uh, I think, just a great time. So let's get into Psalm 68. Like I said, we're breaking it up into into uh, more digestible sections. Uh, so we're actually going to break it up into six different sections. Uh, verses 1 through 6 is an invocation. It's, uh, it's an appeal to God. And let's go ahead and read that. <clears throat> it says, Let God arise. Let his armies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, uh, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. By his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Verse 1 says, let God arise. And, you know, like Manny was talking about today, um, we need to serve a God or we need to have a God. We need to view God as a God that's bigger than any problems that face us. You know, if our problems become bigger than our God, we, you know, we're in a lot of trouble. And so, you know, what a great way to, uh, uh, to start um, a prayer, you know, a psalm, you know, just saying, God, right off the bat, you know, become huge. It'd be big, you know, bigger than I ever imagined, bigger than my problems, bigger than, you know, I've ever, uh, um, I've ever thought that you could be. And so David writes, let God arise. Verses 2 and 3, he says, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. You know, I love that picture of uh, as smoke or as wax mounting before the fire. 
you know, I mean, smoke, you know, he's relating, you know, our, our, our enemies, our problems, you know, those things that, that are facing us, those things that are just so huge in our lives. He's saying, man, let them be like smoke, you know. I mean, you know, you, we've all, you know, had sat around a campfire or, you know, or, uh, you know, burned something on the stove. I mean, you know, it's just like this cloud is just huge. But, you know, you open up a window, you know, you put on a fan, and, man, that, that smoke just clears out. It just disappears, you know. And he's saying, Lord, let my problems be like that. Let my enemy be like that, you know. Or he equates it to wax. And, and you, know, we, we, you know, we all had candles, you know, that, 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 you know, my wife loves candles, man. I mean, she just has them. We'll come, I come home and I'm thinking, man, we didn't pay the bill or what? Because she just has candles lit everywhere, man. And, uh, and you know, she, has, she keeps them forever, man. She keeps them until they're just like that big, you know. Um, and, you know, it's just, a, it's just amazing because you can have this real big thing, you know, and just as that, it sits next to that fire, as that fire just eats away at it, you know, it just, it just melts. It just goes away, you know. And that's what David is saying here. He's saying, you know what, just, uh, Lord, let my problems just disappear, just melt away, you know. And, you know, as God becomes bigger, our problems become smaller. You know, and I mean, that's just like the principle that, that we need to walk away from, from that, you know, that, that man, when we, when we, uh, dwell, you know, on, on our, on the things that face us and they may be huge, you know, they, they may be big, they may be significant, you know, I'm not trying to downplay what, what problems we face. They may be big, but you know, when, when we allow our God to really just overpower those things, become our focus, um, you know, our problems, man, they do, you know, in a large, large sense, they fade away because you know that we have a God that's in control. You know, I love the way David starts off with that. Verses 4 through 6, he says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. You know, David, what he's saying here is that, you know what, the uh, the weak and the vulnerable, they hold a special place in God's heart. You know, he's saying, you know, those that are fatherless, those that are, are widows, He's the defender, you know. He is the one who is protecting them. Um, one of the examples that I read in a commentary was, was uh, he was saying, you know, to a large extent, we're widows in that we're the bride of Christ, you know, and, and Christ has, has gone away, right? Uh, he's ascended into heaven, and so he's not with us. And so we're, in a sense, we're widows. We're defenseless, you know. But God, you know, is our Father, you know, and He's protecting us. In verse 6, He says, God sets the solitary in families. I love that. I thought that was just beautiful. Um, partly because of what we just talked about with the fact that we're vulnerable and we're weak. And He's saying, God is saying, I'm there for you. I'm your defender. But, you know, sometimes God is, is uh, you know, God is spirit. We can't see Him. We can't touch Him. You know, um, we read about him in his word. That's powerful. 
Uh, we have, we pray to him, and that's powerful. Um, and, you know, I remember hearing a story a long time ago, a long, long time ago, you know, just about a, a, a kid who was having nightmares, you know, and, and would run into his, his, you know, his mom and dad's bedroom, and, and, uh, and you know, the mom and dad would tell the kid, you know, go back to your room and just, and just pray, you know, pray to God, you know, pray to God. And, uh, you know, and he'll, he'll make you feel better, you know. And uh, after, you know, a whole bunch of times of this happening throughout the night, you know, the kid finally said, you know what, I need, I need God with some skin on him, you know. And sometimes we need that. You know, we need that. We need that physical person, you know, that God um, will send our way to put his arm around us, you know, to say, man, can I pray with you? You know what, man, I, I know what you're going through. And so when it says here that he sets us the solitary in the families, he says, you know what, you're not alone. You know, you're not alone. You may feel alone, but you know what, I'm going to set you into a place. You know, I'll set you into a family. Made me think of our church, you know. We're, we're a small church where, you know, we're a small group of, of people compared to maybe some of the really huge mega churches. But you know what? The one thing that the reason why I would never, you know, leave this place until Manny drives me away, man, is that is that uh, it, because it feels like a family. You know, it feels like a family, man. The, the brothers that I have here, um, the friendships that, that, you know, God has really just blessed me with. Um, he has set me in with a family and you know what? And, and I, that's true for all of us. That's true for all of us. And, and I mean, God is just so faithful in that. He is so good that he is not only there for us, you know, spiritually, but he's also there physically in his people, in the body. And that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Verses seven through 14. It's a commemoration um, David is basically remembering what God has already done in the past. You know, and it's always good to remember what God has done in the past. Let's read verses 7. Uh, we're going to read 7 through 9. It says, O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O God, sent a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Verse 7, um, I was looking at the cross-references. It says, O God, when you went out before your people, when, you're, when you marched through the wilderness, it gave a, a cross-reference for Exodus thirteen twenty-one. If you want to turn there. Exodus 13. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night as a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. So he says, man, he, David is saying, you know, you went before us. He's remembering back with Moses, right? He's remembering back, you know, he's going back a, a little ways. And he's saying, you know, even with Moses, he says, you were there. You led the people. You know, you were faithful then. You're going to be faithful now. You know, and he says, man, you led them with as a, as a, a fire by night, as a cloud by day. He goes on to verse uh, 8. The cross-reference there is uh, 
Exodus 19.18, if you want to read that. Exodus 19.18 says, Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. So he's not just being, he's not being poetic. He's saying, you literally shook the earth, you know. He's basically giving God that credit of being that mighty. He's saying, man, you've shook the earth before. That's the God we serve, you know. He shook the earth just a few days ago, didn't he? <laughs> just, you know, so we, we kind of know what that's like. Um, but David is just is just saying there, man, uh, you you have that kind of power, God. You know, you shake the earth. Verse 9 says, You, O God, sent a plentiful rain whereby you confirm your inheritance when it was weary. The uh, cross reference for there is Ezekiel 34 26. If you want to turn there, it says, I'll read it. It says, And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. No, I'm sorry, I wrote, read the wrong one. It says, <laughs> 26 i will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing and i will cause showers to come down in their season and there shall be showers of blessings so david is saying man there's just there's a shower of blessing with god he's saying man you 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 make it rain you know he's re he's basically just remembering god's faithfulness you know throughout this time Verses 11 through 14, and uh, back in Psalm 68. Verse 11, it says, The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. King of armies flee, they flee, and, and who remain at home divides the spoils. Though you lie down among the sheepfold, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver, and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings, kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman. In that portion of Scripture, David is remembering when uh, when Joshua came into the land. You know, he was referring prior to that to Moses, and then you know the the story. He's there in the wilderness for forty years, and then finally it comes time for for Joshua. You know, to come into that promised land. And uh, and he comes in. And he comes in, and he comes in ready to take that land. Right? He comes in ready for battle. And uh, so verse 11 is referring to that. He says, The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. What he's saying there is that the, when the people came in, they were they were a great company. They were all they, all, they all had the same heart. You know, they were like, okay, this is our time. You know, God has told us we can go into that promised land. He's promised this to us. They were ready to take it. They were going on the word of God. They are going, God said it, you know, we're going to go for it, right? They were following the word of God. You know, we can follow the word of God now. You know, there are certain things that, that God has has given us, right? Um, you know, in, in talking with Manny, you know, even about going down to, to Rosarito and, and we're talking with Steve and, and, uh, and Pastor Juan down there of, 
of uh, of uh, you know the church down across the street. Um, you know, Pastor Juan has spoken here before. Um, you know, just how 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 exciting it is, yet how scary it is. You know that that man, this is huge. I mean, just you know, what difference can we make? Really, we're now we're just a little church here in Almani, you know, and yet we're talking about just all these crazy things that are going on over there, and and just how God has opened these doors for us to to kind of go in and to be that that light, right? And there's there's part of you that says, man, who are we to do that, you know? And leave that for somebody else who's man has the resources, has you know just that unlimited bank account that has just you know. The, the people who are, are, you know, qualified to do that sort of thing. You know, there's that part of you that, that, that says that. And then there's that other part of you that says, but God has given us something. You know, he's opened a door. You know, we don't know what goes on. You know, Manny was kind of, you know, showing us today. We take one step, you know, you know, and then we take one more step. You know, and God says take another, so we take another then he may say, well, hold on for a second. So you hold on for a second. Then he says, okay, take another step. You know, and it's having that sensitivity to what God is saying. But at the end of the day, it's being obedient to the word that he gives us. Right? And so that's what, that's what he's saying here in verse 11. He's saying the Lord gave the word. You know, and in our personal lives, you know, we have, um, we have battles. Um, God will speak to us. Like I said, he'll give us that small, still voice in our prayers. He'll give us confirmations, but mainly he speaks to us through his word. You know, we need to be in it. We need to be reading it. We need to be digesting it. We need to be going through it. Um, Manny, I know a a couple, uh, weeks ago, you know, was just, uh, it was heavy on his heart and, and, uh, you know, he put in those bulletin, those, those, uh, devotional, you know, questionnaires and which I was just like totally convicted on, man, because I mean, I failed in that, in that area man, so much, but, uh, but it's so true, you know, our devotional life, man, our, our time in the word, our time in hearing what God wants to say to us is, is going to be mainly how God speaks to us. And so we need the word of God. Jesus needed the word of God when he was, when he was tempted by, by Satan, right? We all know that, you know? How did he respond to him, man? He didn't respond to him by, by uh, you know, getting in his face or 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 charging at him or or uh, or you know anything on his own strength, you know, which he could have. That was God, you know. That was Jesus Christ. He could have done that, you know, and and been it would have been totally appropriate. But yet Jesus wanted to be an example to us, you know. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fight this. I'm gonna answer him. But I'm going to answer with the word of God. So how much more, man, do we need to be in the word of God, man? So, so deeply that when those trials come, those arrows come, those, those, uh, those situations, man, that just seems so huge that uh, we answer back, but not with our opinions, not with our anger, not with self-righteousness, but we answer back with the word of God, you know, and that's really where our strength is going to lie. Verses 15 through 19 was actually uh, a portion of scripture um, entitled The Taking of Zion. 15 and 16, it says, A mountain of God is a mountain of Bashan, 
a mountain of many peaks, the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God declares to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Now, I've never been to Israel, you know, um, but uh, according to the commentaries that I was reading, it was it was explaining that the mountains of the Bashan, if you're looking at a map, on the eastern border of the country are these mountains of, of Bashan. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're huge hills, you know, and it was saying they may not be quite mountains, technically, I guess, but but they're big, they're, there's, there's peaks on them, and, um, and they're a lot bigger than Mount Zion. Mount Zion, comparatively speaking, they said Mount Zion is really nothing more than a little hill. They said it's barely a hill, it's more of a mound, you know. And it was saying, especially when you're looking at it, um, it was saying that in comparison to Mount Bashan, it's a little pipsqueak, man, it's, it's nothing. But yet God is saying, I choose Zion, you know. He's saying, man, I got the big and mighty, you know, the powerful. And I got this little tiny little hill. And God is, and what David is saying is that God chooses the, the pipsqueak, you know. And that, I tell you what, I was encouraged by that. You know, I thought of that verse that says God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise, you know. And I don't know about you guys, man, but I know I'm, I'm a fool, you know, and to know that God chooses those things. Because, you know, it's only in our weakness that God shows his strength. And so the weaker you are, man, the more able, really you're able to, to exemplify the, the, the strength of God. Because anybody looking at, at you could say, man, that person has nothing. That person has nothing to offer. You know, but yet, man, look what God is doing through him, you know. And then, you know, you're in, and, you know, God willing, you know, you're the type of person who gives God all that glory. And, and man, you're used as, as an example of what God can do. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, man. And, and I just, I know that um, I've been blown away by, by uh, um, the men of God that, you know, I've been able to, to kind of, get glimpses of and you hear their testimonies you hear the battles they've come from um drugs alcohol man i mean the list goes on and on i mean you know you you look at like the uh um you know the the calvary chapel pastors you know i used to have a book called the harvest and uh, i mean i probably still do somewhere but um i don't like reading i'm not i'm not a good reader um and and uh don't enjoy it but I tell you what, this little book, it's a little booklet. If you ever get a chance to pick it up at the Bible bookstore, it's real small. Um, it's called The Harvest, and, and it's kind of the biography of about six different Calvary Chapel pastors. And in each one of them, this is exemplified how God chooses the base things of this world, man. Because these guys were tore up, you know. And where really probably the world, their families, everybody looking at them were probably saying there's no hope. This person has lost it. And here, David is saying, those are the things God chooses. God chooses those things. You know, so if you're weak, if you're foolish, then uh, be ready because God can use you. Verses 17 through 18, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them. 
as in Sinai in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivities captives. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Verses 17. This is the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what they were talking about. And um, as I started looking through the cross-references and uh, reading the commentaries, uh, I was blown away. Because what they're referring to, those chariots of God, are referring to angels. And oftentimes in the Bible, um, either the chariots are the chariots of fire referred to, are actual angels or the angels were on the chariots or somehow there's an association there and um, the the uh, cross reference to second kings if you want to open there second kings chapter six second kings chapter six and it's just an awesome example of what we're talking about Second Kings chapter six verse sixteen, and what this story is is the story of Elisha, and uh, he was with his servant, and the servant was afraid because the king of Syria wanted to kill him, and Elisha was the prophet, and and he's not sweating it, but he feels bad for his servant because this army is ready to attack. You know, so Elisha cries out to God, and we can read that in verse 16. He says, And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. All around Elisha. You know, I just thought, man, that was so amazing. You know, because, you know, here this army was, man, ready to attack. And it probably looked pretty impressive. You know, these these uh, warriors, man, on in on their little, you know, uh, you know, ugly little chariots, man. And, and, and uh, you know, probably all broken down and, you know, I mean, looking... Looking pretty scruffy, man, and 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 but yeah, they were probably you know legitimately scared. This army was ready to attack them, and Elisha prays and he says, "Man, Lord, just allow my servant here, man. Allow his eyes to be open to see that spiritual realm, you know. Let his eyes be open to see that we serve a mighty God that has our our you know our best interests, man, who is watching over us, and and so God does that. He allows it, man, you know." And so behind these guys, man, you just see the hills were filled with these angels, you know. I mean, how how comforting, you know, would that be, you know? Um, you know, there, there's that, uh, you know, that little story that, that, you know, you've heard of that, you know, the, the kid who's, who's, you know, finally decides to stand up to the bully, you know, and, and uh, you know, he... The bullies comes and knocks on the door, and and the kid finally decides, man, um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up to this guy, you know, and 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 so he opens the door and he says, all right, if you want to fight, let's fight, you know, and the kid 
turns off and runs away, you know, and the kid probably, and he feels, you know, feels as though, man, you know what, I stood up to this guy. What he didn't realize was that his big brother was standing behind him, you know. And, and that's, that's, what is, that's what it is. You know, we have thousands of angels, man. You know, even yesterday, Manny was, was, uh, uh, came back from, you know, what he shared about today, you know, going out to the red light district and, and, uh, in Mexico and, and, uh, and I tell you what, man, uh, Manny, you know, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he, you know, you could tell he was visibly shaken, you know, from the experience and, and you could tell it hurt his heart, you know, to see, uh, these girls, you know, that he says for blocks, man, just lined up, you know, and, uh, um, man, he, he, he was tearing up, man. We were all, we we're all, we we're all dirty working and, and, you know, we got nail guns in our hands and everything like that. And I'm ready. I'm just ready to start bawling, man. I mean, just talking to him and because you could see just the impact that it made on him. And, uh, but you know, I, I and what I shared with him when we were talking there for, for a second was that, you know, I, I, you know, I had been reading this and preparing, you know, a few days earlier and, and. I told him, I said, you know what? I said, because he was just saying how dark it is, you know, just that evil presence. And and what came to mind was that, you know what? There's thousands of angels, you know, just surrounding that place. You know, and these girls, I believe, God willing, you know, that, you know what? There are, there are maybe, maybe they're coming from a bad situation with parents, you know, or or, you know, abuse or things like that. But we just don't know. There may be an aunt or an uncle or a neighbor or maybe somebody that they're just acquaintance with that is praying for them, you know. And so that's why God is putting it in our hearts to do whatever we're doing. And that's why God has done, you know, put into Steve's heart the ministry that he's given him, you know. Not because of us, you know, not because we can do anything, but because, man, Maybe somebody's praying for these girls, you know, and I believe they are, you know, and so believing that, I just believe, man, there's, there's thousands of angels, man. You know, we're talking a little bit about the danger of going down there. I don't think there's any danger, you know, I, I, I've never once been afraid, you know, and I'm not a brave guy, you know, but it's just that I really believe, man. God has opened that door, and, he, and He's given us that opportunity to serve down there, and and uh, we have His protection. You know, we're we're not anybody's victim. God is in charge; He's on the throne. You know, and so, man, that's just beautiful there. You know that what He's talking about there in, in verse seventeen, that uh, we have these mighty, just company of angels, man, that are just camped out all about us. Verse 18 says, you, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. What that is, is, is uh, it actually serves to be prophetic of Jesus. Um, if you want to turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, Paul um, Paul brings up that verse in talking about what God has done, what Christ has done for us, um, and what he's doing for us. 
in uh, chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8. We're going to read through 12. And Paul quotes it. Chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led the captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So David here, man, he, he, he writes this and he's describing, maybe even unknowingly, just what Christ was going to do. You know, we know that Christ descended upon his death. He went down into, into Hades. He set the captives free. Then he ascends into heaven. Then he says that he's there equipping us for the church. That some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be servants, some to be nursery school attendants, man, some to be, you know, whatever it is, you know. He's saying he's there preparing us, man, giving us the things that we need. And, uh, you know, it's an awesome thing to know that we serve, you know, a living God. You know, that is doing things for us right now. You know, he's equipping us. He's he's done the miraculous thing as far as, the, you know, the descending, the ascending. And, and now he's there and even actively equipping us. Verses 20, going back to uh, Psalm 68, verses uh, 20 through 23, David is, is here giving an invitation. And uh, <laughs> the commentary said, it's a pretty direct invitation. You know, turn or burn, basically. Verse 20 says, Our God is the God of salvation. And to God the Lord belongs, uh, I'm sorry, and to God the Lord belongs escapes from death. But God will wound the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea. That your foot may crush them in blood and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemy. You know, verse 20 says, he's the God of our salvation. You know, that's something that, you know, we hear so often that maybe it never really sinks in, you know. He's the God of our salvation. He says that he, the escapes are his, you know. I mean, you know, how many times, man, have we been in a situation where we need to escape? We need to get out, you know. We've gotten ourselves with our, and maybe maybe because of the stupid actions of ourselves, you know, where our backs are against the wall. And he says, man, the escapes are his. He gets us out. You know, though that's the kind of God that we serve. But verse 21 saying, so that's the, you know, the glory of God. But verse 21, man, the very first word there, you know, but there's a flip side to this. See, a lot of times we like to focus on, you know, 
the, the, you know, the, the touchy-feely God, you know, and the one that gives us just that warm, fuzzy feeling, you know. He says, but, you know, there's also that righteousness of God, you know, that demands holiness. And he says, but God will wound the head, the head of his enemies. It means, you know what, we live in grace, but there's, there's a point where we have to make a decision. There's a there's a point at which we gotta decide which which a which side of the fence are we gonna fall on, you know, and uh, and so verses 20 through 23 are basically an invitation. Um, the cross reference to though that portion of scripture was Deuteronomy 32:9. If you want to read that, it's uh it's an awesome uh, little verse, and and I was really blown away by it. 32:9. If you want to read it. I'll read it to you. 32.9 says, For the Lord's portion is his people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 32.39. I got glasses on my head, but I can't, still can't use them. I still can't see. Now see that I, even I, am he. And there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there anyone, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Man, that, that struck fear in me, man, when I read that cross-reference. I didn't even like it. I was like, I was like, I was like that's a mighty God. You know, that is a mighty God. You know, so we have an invitation and... and uh, you know, I know that, you know, we give we give uh, invitations. Manny gives them all the time, and, you know, you'll hear pastors give them all the time at the end of a service, you know, where he says, you know, if, if uh, you know, you want to make that decision for Christ, you know, either raise your hand or some people say come forward or, or whatever it may be. And what it is is an, is an attempt, you know, to give you a chance to get real and, and really to – not only not not necessarily publicly, although it's important publicly, but for you to, to to say, man, I'm making a decision, you know, and I'll raise my hand, whatever that step of faith is, coming forward, whatever it is, um, and you know what, it, it becomes so regular sometimes. I think sometimes we take it for granted, you know. What we have to know is, man, that's that's life and death here, you know. That's what that's what Moses is talking about here in Deuteronomy. That's what David is talking about. You know, here in, in in Psalms, they say, man, don't take it lightly. Don't take it for granted. It's not always going to be there, that opportunity to make a, a choice for God, you know. And so David gives that that invitation there. Um, we just got to, we just got to know, man, not, don't take it lightly. Verses 24 through 27 in Psalm 68. Is the song of the saved. See that. They have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers went before the players on instruments, followed after. Among them were the maidens playing tambourines. Bless God in the congregation, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. There is the little Benjamin, their leader the prince of Judah and their company, the prince of Zebulun and the prince of Naphtali. 
He's saying, you know, that's the song that we can sing as the saved. What he's describing there is this procession of, of believers. And he's saying, man, they're, they're singing, they're dancing. There's a joy in them, you know. And, I mean, that's, a, that's like, you know, the, the benefit from making that prior decision, you know, where, you know, just a few verses earlier, David is saying, make a choice because you've got salvation or you've got, man, damnation. And then he goes on right here in these verses, and he's saying, because if you choose salvation, it's not just a joy in the hereafter, you know. It's like, okay, well, I'm making a choice for God, so I guess, man, I got to give up the good times, man, for to now till I die because, you know, heaven's awaiting, you know, maybe when I die at 60, 70, 80 years old or whatever. But, okay, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be just boredom, man, between now and then. And David's saying it's nothing like that. And anybody that, that has, I think, a right walk with God knows that it's not like that. They know that we have a joy, man. We have a joy that we never had in the world. You know, man, we thought we knew what a good time was when, you know, we were in the world, man. And, you know, we were, you know, drinking or, or at a bar or having parties or this or that, you know, disguising the pain that we had. Trying to fill that emptiness with something. Whatever it was, man, a, 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 you know, a relationship or, or a drug or a drink or whatever it was. You know, we weren't having a good time, man. We were trying to forget our problems. But you know what, man? Your problems came back the next day, you know, or a few hours later. You, you, you never got rid of them, you know. You didn't even hide them real well, you know, because everybody around you thought of you as a big problem, you know. And so... You know, it, it, it's it's a sorry imitation, man, of what God really wants to give you, you know, which is a, a true joy, right? And that's what David is saying here, man. He says there's this procession that goes on as believers, man, where, man, you can sing, you can dance, you can, you know, you praise God, you know, for what he's done in your life, what he's done in, in the lives of your loved ones, man, those that have been set free, man, from just that garbage, right? I mean, we wait for that day, you know, when we can look at our loved ones, man, and where they're free from those things, man, that are just holding them down. And, man, when that day comes, man, there's joy. And there's going to be a joy that, man, you just cannot um, imagine. Verse 28 is uh, the closing prayer. David closes up this, uh, this chapter um, just beautifully. If you want to read it with me, it says, Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring presents to you. Rebuke the beast of the reeds, the herd of the bulls, with the calves of the people, till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the people who delight in war. Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hand to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord. 
to him who rides on the heaven of heavens, which were of old. Indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice, ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. You know, how, how awesome is that? That he gives, he gives us the strength and the power. That it's all from him. It's all from him. So like I said, in the beginning of, of this chapter, um, or the beginning of my, my time to try to start to study for, for this chapter, it was, uh, it was just hugely difficult man, for me because, like I said, it was a, a lot to digest. And once I, I was able to, to break it down into more uh, smaller portions and I was able to digest it a little bit better. Um, but real quick, man, those six different um, portions where one was the invocation, which is the reason I, I wanted to go over these again because I mean it's a lot of reading. There's a lot there, but man, that that basic principle that David was getting across, man, is huge. Man, it's huge in how we can apply it to our lives. Um, number one was the invocation, which is crying out to God. Man, cry out to God. You know. God hears us when we cry. You know, God says that he saves our tears in a bottle. When we cry out to God, he hears us, man. It gets his attention. You know, the, a while back when I when I spoke and I talked about crying, you know, I gave the example of the nursery, you know, how how I don't know how moms do it, man. They're able to identify the cry of their mom, of their child just so quickly, man. I mean, every every kid sounds the same to me, you know, but man, you'll hear a, a a kid cry out in there, man, and you know that one mom will pop up man, and 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 head on in there, and she knows, you know, God is the same way. He hears the cries of his children, and and he knows who we are. You know, don't forget to cry out to God. Number two was the commemoration. Remember what God has done in the past. A long time ago, not a long time ago, a few, I don't know, a month or so ago, uh, um. Uh, I gave a uh, 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 an overview for First Peter and and the uh, as um, uh, First Peter and uh, you know it was one of the things one of the the principles in it or one of the things was was hope and uh, and what hope was and what I loved about the definition of the biblical definition of hope was that it said an expectation. That God is going to come through based on the fact that he's come through in the past, you know. And so we can expect when we cry out to God in our time of need, sometimes what we need to do is remember that God has been in their past. God has done work. He's, he's first of all, he has saved us, you know. He has saved us, you know. And so... We cry out for our loved ones. We cry out for our children. We cry out for whatever it is, man, that, that difficulty we're facing. 
we don't have to say, God, I hope you're there. You know, I, I, I'm not sure if you're there. You know, he is there. You know, and he is mighty. He is able. We have to know that. You know, and that's how our hope is. You know, the Webster Dictionary for Hope was wishful thinking. You know, that's the world's hope. Maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. You know, that's not God's hope. God's hope is, man, you've come through in the past, and so I know you're going to come through in the future. So David's second point was commemoration. Third, the taking of Zion. What was cool about that was that David is now saying, all right, you've been in there in the past, but you know what? You're there now. You know, you're doing something right now. You're working right now. You know, you, you got, you know, you're, you have chosen Zion. You have chosen the weak things, you know, of this world. The thing that doesn't look like it's much, but you've made it holy. You know, he looks at us the same way. And he says, man, you ain't much, but you're holy and you're my child. You know, and you know as well as I do, those of you that have kids, you know, man, you know, there could be the whole neighborhood of kids sitting out, you know, on your front porch or in your front yard. And you may love them all. You know, you may say, oh, I love these kids. But, man, your kid is in the middle of all those kids. And you know what, man? You love that one differently. You know? God loves the whole world. We know that. But then those are those that are his Man, you're you're his child. You know, David is saying you're special when you're his. The fourth point was the invitation. And that was, man, we have a responsibility in this whole thing. You know, God, you know, is so huge and so big, so powerful that sometimes we forget that, that man, we, we play a part in this. He loves us so much and respects us so much that he says, okay, I'm willing. Are you willing? You know? And he puts, he put, you know, puts the cards on our table and he says, all right, that, are you going to play? You, you know, are you going to, do you want to be part of this? And he's a, he respects us so much. You know, they, like they say, man, God doesn't go anywhere. He's not invited. You know? So we need to invite God into our lives, into our situations, into our problems, into our, our, our uh, things that seem so huge. We need to invite him first into our lives and then secondly into our world, man, into those things, into all of our secret places. We need to invite him in. The fifth thing was the, was the song of the saved. You know, we can't forget, man, to enjoy our walk with God. You know, there's nothing more than I enjoy that than I enjoy is is uh going down friends' houses, man, and and hanging out and and barbecuing and and hanging out with my brothers in Christ, man, and man, we'll 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 click on his his uh um fire pit, man, and we would stay out there all night, man, if we could. You know, just enjoying each other's company, man, you know. And uh that's that's a joy that we didn't have in the world, you know. That's a joy that, that we didn't know existed, you know. And so those songs of praise, we can we can sing those praises, 
as his children, right? We we can man, we can sing, we can dance. I love worship music, man. I love worship music, you know, because man, it could take you to a place that you know what I know myself. I can't get to without music, you know. I mean, I I can man, I can read and be blessed. I can I can pray and be blessed, but there's something about music, man, that when it's it's from the heart, it's to the Lord, and you got the people of God singing it with you. Um, well, I don't sing, but I, I listen <laughs> to it, man, that it's just, it blows you away. It pulls you in to the presence of God, man. Never forget to enjoy our walk with God. And again, that closing prayer of David, the very last verse, if I could read it again, it says, Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for uh, how good you are, Lord, how how faithful you are, dear Heavenly Father. And Lord, I thank you for this chapter, Lord, and just uh, reminding me, Lord, that, uh, that, Lord, you're so complete, dear Heavenly Father, that... Uh, that you love us so much, that you're a mighty God, that uh, that you invite us, dear Heavenly Father, into your presence, Lord. Help us to accept those invitations, dear Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for loving us so much, dear Heavenly Father, that you desire to have just that that personal relationship with us, Lord. And and Lord, I, I Lord, I pray that. Uh, that everyone here, Heavenly Father, no matter where they are, Lord, in, in their walk, Lord, if they're just beginning or if they're, uh, they've been serving you for years, Heavenly Father, that, that, Lord, that you would, uh, uh, Lord, that you would just pull them into your presence, Lord, that they would experience you in a new way, Lord, in a way that, uh, Lord, that would just blow their minds, Heavenly Father, would open up their, um, their world, dearly Father, to uh, the fact that you are huge, like Manny was talking about today, Lord, that we can't fit you into a box, dearly Father, and and limit you to only certain things or certain places, or or will allow you into this portion of our life, but not this portion of our life. Lord, help us to stop that those games, dearly Father, that we play, and Lord, that we would just come before you, Lord, just in your in your presence, and we would have that freedom, Lord, to praise you, to love you, and uh, to sing those praises, Lord, to even just, uh, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, just uh, just melt before you, dearly Father. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for everyone here, Lord. I pray that that your word, dearly Father, spoke to them in some way, Lord, and and uh, Lord, that the, the remainder of this week, dearly Father, Lord, that you would continue to to minister to them, Lord, that you would continue to draw them close, that, uh, that Lord, that you would give them that desire, Heavenly Father, Lord, to, to seek you, Lord. And we have that promise in your word that those who seek you will find you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray that our loved ones that don't know you, Heavenly Father, our, our children, our, our relatives, Lord, uh, those that our hearts ache for, Lord, we cry that they would seek you, Lord, because we know you are faithful, Lord, to find them, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I, I just thank you, Lord, for uh, 
just uh, what you're doing, Lord, I thank you for, uh, Lord, for, for loving us in such a way that you even desire, Lord, to hear from us, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.